Joshua Taylor describes the kind of leader God can use. Godly leaders not only tend to have a big perspective, but they also understand it's not about them. And for us as believers, we need to understand it's not about us. And I don't want to offend you, but you're not that cool. You're not that effective on your own. The only thing that makes us special is the Lord using us for His purpose and His works. This is amazing grace. And welcome to Abounding Grace. Normally on the program, we hear from Pastor Ed Taylor, but today it's my pleasure to introduce you to his son, Joshua. He'll be opening 1 Samuel 14 in just a second if you want to head there now. Into Faith We Go is the name of our present series. And here in part two, we're going to see some of the characteristics of a godly leader and follower as we have a look at both Jonathan and his armor bearer. Here's Joshua Taylor continuing our vision series for 2020. As believers, we're called to be leaders in our world. We're called to be leaders for those who have yet to believe. When their lives are going out of control, when they feel hopeless, when they feel burdened, when they feel broken, we're called to be the ones who bring hope. We're called to, one, to be the ones who bring that bigger or greater perspective of life, that there is something more than what you're experiencing in the moment. There is a Savior who died for you. There is a Jesus who loves you who wants to have relationship with you, who wants to rescue you from the situation. That's what we're called to do. We're called to have a greater perspective. And as a church, we're also called to have a greater perspective to help lead our community. Uh, I think since I've had the pleasure of being here for the last 20 years, I've seen a lot that the Lord has done through this church. And one of those examples is Grace FM, which I now have the blessing of overseeing. And Grace FM was a big step of faith, as I know it's been mentioned before in our church from Pastor Ed. But there was this thought or this idea that what if we could present the gospel 24-7, like on a regular basis? What if we could make sure that when we're not gathering, when you and I are sleeping, the gospel's still going out to those who are awake? And it was pretty expensive. Like, it was a big number to get into the radio world, to take this area, this opportunity. And when my dad presented it to the church, there was some excitement and there was also some pushback. And that pushback looked like people who were very upset and very angry with this idea of using the funds of God to do this project. Because, I mean, who listens to radio? No one listens to radio. Actually, a lot of people do. But it's going out of, you know, style. This was 10 years ago. It's not, it's not going to be around because XM radio is taking over. You know, satellites are coming in. And we're like, you know, we know this is what could be. However, the Lord's put it on our heart as a church to pursue this opportunity. And so we kept doing it, and people ended up leaving the church very upset that this was the direction we're going. I can tell you, now having the opportunity to, to oversee it, the testimonies and the feedback, the people getting saved from that station just in the last few years is overwhelming in a good way. The Lord is using Grace FM to reach lives when we can't physically do it all the time. 
In fact, and I was just thinking about this this morning, one of your pastors on staff here at the church, because of Grace FM, came to the church and got saved. And now he's a staff pastor. Like, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is using these steps of faith that he calls us to as a church to accomplish his goal, which is to win people to himself, for people to get saved and join us in heaven. Our goal, as you know, our, our mission statement, our, our vision is always win, disciple, send. You, we want to win people to Jesus. We want to disciple them in Jesus, and we want to send them out for Jesus. And that'll never change. And the, the things that we do are for that goal, so that people might know Jesus and be with us in heaven. Godly leaders tend to have a perspective that spans beyond some. And I always want to be a person who's a part of what God is doing. I always want to be a person who's supporting what God is about. I do personally feel bad for the faces I remember. I don't remember their names, but I remember their faces. For the ones who left the church upset. Because although, and I'm not saying they're not saved or anything like that, but they're missing out on the blessings of knowing I was a part of what the Lord was doing through that radio station, which is what we get to do. And when we take part of what's going on here in our local church, when we take hold of the vision that has been given to our pastor to go forward for the gospel with the Lord. Jonathan here is showing us that he had a greater perspective. Second thing I want to point out for godly leaders is Jonathan also is not talking about his own abilities here in verse 6. He's not saying, you know, Arabari, remember when we won that battle with just a thousand men in chapter 13? Remember my strategy, my tactics? Remember the skills that we had? I was the only one with the sword. You know how I took them all down? You know, he's not saying that at all. This is all dependent on God's gifts and abilities. This is all dependent on, I wonder if God would do this because he knew the truth about God. He knew the characteristics of God. He knew that God could win with many. He could win with a full army. But he also knew that God could win with few. And it was this perspective that Jonathan says, maybe we're that few. Maybe we should go out and present ourselves and see what God may do with us. Godly leaders not only tend to have a big perspective, but they also understand it's not about them. And for us as believers, we need to understand it's not about us. And I don't want to offend you, but you're not that cool. and You're not that effective on your own. The only thing that makes us special is the Lord using us for his purpose and his works. Now, I'm not saying you don't have talents, you don't have skills, you don't have great personalities. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying those are all gifts from the Lord to be used for the Lord. Jonathan understands that it has nothing to do with his skills, his abilities, his past victories. It all has to do with the Lord showing himself faithful in the past. Possibly the Lord wants to show him faithful again in the future. And for us as a church, I can stand before you today and testify that the Lord has shown himself faithful time and time and time again in this church. Not only just in my life, and I think as you look into your own life, you can say, the Lord has shown up faithful time and time and time again in my own life. It should encourage us and help develop a perspective in our own hearts that the Lord wants to show himself faithful again, again, and again. As we jump into 2020, as we look at the vision for our church for 2020, we want to prepare our hearts to be able to follow where the God is leading. We don't want to miss out on the blessings. We don't want to miss out on the ice cream because we're unwilling to follow the leader, because we're unwilling to surrender our own thoughts or our own ideas, or our own perspectives, or, or surrender the idea that, no, I am capable of bringing someone to the Lord. 
You are if God is the one allowing you to. You are if you understand it's God doing it through you and not of your own works or your own power. We are able to change the world as a church if we realize it's the Lord working through us and not our own amazing ideas or amazing abilities. It's any idea, hopefully, is God-given, given by the Lord. And that's where we trust our leader. In the context of our church, our leader is, happens to be my, my dad. I trust my dad a lot, man. I trust him all my life. Now I'm trusting him as my pastor and my boss. Like, you want to talk about leading? I'm, I'll tell you how to follow. So, <laughs> looking at that, those are two descriptions of, of a godly leader. And I want to make sure that we have that as a focal point for us as we live our lives. Obviously, Jesus is number one, always going to be our leader, but he has established many leaders in our lives. We have political leaders, we have teachers, we have bosses, we have coworkers, we have leaders in our family. Like, we're surrounded by leaders all the time. However, we need to make sure we're following the right ones, and we need to make sure that we're following the right vision, and we're putting our efforts in the things that will matter, and the things that do matter, and the things that will bring God the most glory. And the best example of that is found in verse 7, the armor bearer. I love this guy. His heart to follow after Jonathan in this crazy plan, like it's just illogical plan is amazing. And it's something that I want to shape my heart and my mind around as well. So look at uh, with me, verse seven of first Samuel 14. And there's three things I want to point out in this verse. It says, so his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then here I am with you according to your heart. I want to give a, a little preface real quick. If you're using a different version than the New King James, don't worry. The NLT or any other version that you're using, the same concept is there, but I'm going to be focusing on specific words that are found in this translation of the Bible. The first thing I want you to focus on is the word do. Do all that is in your heart is the first thing the armor bearer says. What's cool about this is the armor bearer, and this is what I would say is like a stage one follower, do it. I am in agreement with what you just said. And let's put in the perspective of, in this room, I think most of us could say we're stage one followers of wanting to see people come to Jesus through salvation. I think we'd all agree, yes, let's see it happen. Let's do it. I want to see that. This is stage one. The second thing he says is, go then. And I want to focus on that word, go. He's no longer just in agreement with what Jonathan has proposed as a plan or the vision for what he has uh, for him and his armor bearer, but now he wants it to happen sooner rather than later. Saying go is like, I don't want it just to happen. I don't just agree with you that it should happen, but I want to see it happen soon. I want to see you do it. Go do it now. That's what go represents in this verse. This last thing I want to show you and you could say that was like a stage two. Stage one, yeah, I agree. Stage two, I want to see it sooner rather than later. Stage three is here. And he says, here I am with you according to your heart. Not only did the armor bearer want to see the vision of Jonathan happen, but he also wanted to see it happen sooner than later. On top of that, he was willing to join to execute this vision. He's willing to make it happen with his leader. For us, like I use little Tommy as an example, we may be all about the trip. You know, like, yeah, I don't know. Tommy was just having a problem with going to the, to the store. He just doesn't like the store. I, I'm all for the store. Let's do it. And let's do it now. I'm a stage two. Let's go all the way. But some of us have a really hard time with being a part of it. Like, I'm okay with people getting saved. I really would like to see that. I'm okay with it happening sooner than later because, you know, it, it's a good thing, people getting saved. They're holy, they're, or at least more holy, they're more righteous, 
the world becomes a little bit of a better place because there's morals and, you know, it would be awesome to see the world improve if people got saved. It would be great. I'm all for that. And I'd like to see it sooner rather than later. I think we can all agree on that. However, this is where it gets a little fuzzy. Stage three, I am with you all the way. I want to see it done. I want to be a part of the solution. I want to be a part of the vision to see this happen. The armor bearer is all three. It's like, Jonathan, not only do I think your plan should happen, not only do I think it should happen soon, like you should go and do it right now, but I want to join you. I'm here with you to execute this plan. And for us as a church, when we're presented things, when we're presented opportunities, when we're presented areas to serve, when we're presented areas to be ministers of the gospel, we too have the choice to check off what part and how far we're going to follow, how good of a follower we're going to be. A lot of us, I think, and I know this for myself, agree. Stage one, I fully agree with that. I think winning people to Christ, discipling them in Christ, and sending them out for Christ, I'm 100% about it. And two, you know, I'd rather see it sooner than later. I want to see the empty seats filled with people that need Jesus. I want to see this sanctuary grow. I want to see our events be more successful. I want to see people in general start following the Lord because of our church sooner than later. But I'm not really sure what you want me to do exactly with stage. Now, how do you want me to execute this? How do you want me to be a part of this? Because that battle looks like it's a lose-lose situation. It looks like it's just me and you versus thousands of men. It looks like God's not with us because our leader, our king, made a ma major mistake. It looks like my farming utensils are not going to last versus a well-trained army. And those fears and those hesitations, those thoughts, tend to be the thing that blocks us from saying, I will be a part of something. Our doubts, our fears, the absurdity of what is being brought before us tends to hinder us in going all the way. I've heard this phrase, and I'm definitely guilty of using it, but you either have a small problem and a big God, or you have a big God and a small problem. I think that's true for a lot of cases, but I also think this is true. I think you can have a really big problem. I think it's pretty normal to have a big problem and just know that you have a bigger God. I don't think, and, and yes, we can get in the argument, no, no, if you understand how big God is, it does make any problem, no matter the size, really. I get it, I get it. We're not going to argue on that fact. But I think we're human, and I think that when you are shocked with the things in your life, the unexpected moments, the loss of job, the broken relationships, the shock of losing someone that was close to you. Those things are big problems. They're big, I don't want to say nuisances, but they're big stumbling blocks. They hinder you. They hinder the mind. They hinder me. They slow you down. They make you stop and you're just like, I don't, I don't know. Like everything I've learned about God, all that I've heard in, in church and in services, it doesn't seem to make sense as much as it once did before this fill-in-the-blank hit my life, whatever that is for you. And I think that's normal. Like, you're not a bad Christian for thinking that. You're not a bad Christian for being in shock of like, oh, man, like, this is huge. This is a, a major problem. And I want to encourage you in that because some of you, you could feel like, I, don't, I just don't have enough faith. That's why it's overwhelming. Don't worry. It's okay if it overwhelms you. You're human. God knows that you're just dust. However, when it becomes wrong is when you allow those doubts and those fears to hinder you from fully following God and what he's called you to do. 
and the vision that he's presented before you. The key to being able to get over that hump, the key to being able to get over that problem, to have that perspective is faith. Faith is what gets you to the other side. Faith is the commercial break before the ice cream. Faith is the choice of saying, I know what I'm looking at. However, I understand my God is capable. Jonathan looked at this and he said, I know what I am looking at, but I know that my God can win with many the standard way, or he can win with few because my God is victorious no matter what and he may want to use me. I get to stand here before you today, and I can tell you, we already have the victory. Like, the victory is ours to take. We get to go and take that, whatever it is that the Lord is commanding us to go after. We can, in faith, look at those problems, look at those, those things that slow us down, that cause our doubts, that cause our fears, that, that seem to discourage us, and we can say, by faith, this won't be what stops me. By faith, this won't be what hinders God working in my life, through my life, through our church, By faith, we're going to give it to the Lord. And as leaders in our world, as believers bringing the gospel of Jesus to those who need it, they can look to us and say, this person has the perspective that doesn't stop them. They have something that I don't have. I'm stuck here, yet they got over that. How? It's the relationship with Jesus. And as a church... And as we develop what the Lord wants to do through us this year, and as we see the different opportunities he'll present to us, we have to have the same attitude as this armor bearer. When it's presented to us, no matter how crazy it may seem, you want to do what with radio? We have to be willing to say, Lord, is this really from you? I trust my leader that you've given me, the one that you've appointed for me. And by faith, I'm going to be a part of this. By faith, I'm not just going to be in agreement with it. I'm not just going to desire it sooner than later, but I'm going to be a part of making it happen. I'm going to be a part of executing your vision for Calvary Church. And when we get to that point corporately, the Lord will start doing it individually and vice versa. Because I know there are things in this room today that you're afraid because of what it looks like when God's saying, you just need to put your faith in me and go forward. And as that happens in the heart, in each of us here today, it strengthens our foundation as a church. And as our foundation as a church is strengthened, we can go out in power and take what the Lord has given us. Take the victories of chapter 14 for the Lord and allow him to come with an earthquake. Like the earthquake wasn't started by Jonathan and his armor bearer. He just needed them to start some little ruckus. And as soon as it happened and the men went down, it says he comes with an earthquake. And then the rest of the chapters, the confusion, the Philistines fighting each other and all this craziness happens and the Lord gets the victory. He doesn't need us, but he likes us to be a part of it. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord doesn't need you to accomplish his will, but he wants you to be a part of it for your benefit so you can enjoy it. So you can say, I did this with the Lord. I saw the Lord and his faithfulness. Now, a couple things before we close. I don't know if Jonathan knew this, but it's a fun fact. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 30, it says that one man with the power of God can take down a thousand, but two men with the power of God can take down 10,000. I don't know about you, but when I read that verse, 
it didn't mathematically make sense to me because one is 1,000, two would be 2,000, right. But in God's mathematics and the way he works, two is 10,000. And I'm okay with that because I look at this room and I see way more than two people. I know that whatever the Lord is calling us to do, he's going to do it far beyond what we could ever expect. One taking 1,000 is already pretty amazing to think about, but two taking 10,000 is even more amazing. I was reading a commentary on uh, Matthew chapter uh, 16, and this is a chapter where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and sharing that no matter what, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And the commentary was by Pastor John Corson uh, from Applegate up in Oregon, and I really enjoyed it because he brought something that I never really thought about with this passage. And I'm going to share it with you because it's so cool. And it kind of fits today's message. Gates, like physical gates, are never, like you've never been attacked by a gate unless it's like an electric gate. But back then during Jesus' time, it wasn't. It was just a gate. Gates are not aggressive. Like they don't come after you. They're not attacking you. Gates are intended to protect things that are owned or possessions that are owned. What I love about this section or this statement by Jesus is that he's presenting a picture that the church is the one who's going and prevailing over these gates. They're the aggressors. They're the ones on the offensive. And they're going in to prevail over these gates to reclaim that which the enemy thinks he already owns. I like using Grace Defend because it's a great example. The devil thinks he's the prince of the power of the airwaves. We took some of that back for the Lord. On top of that, the devil thinks he's taking a lot of people with him to hell. And the Lord's already told us that as we break through those gates, we can reclaim them for Jesus. Like that's the promise we have. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church, but the church has to be the ones willing to be aggressive for the gospel, aggressive for the things of the Lord, aggressive for the vision that God has given us, active. Some of you may be like, I'm not really aggressive, though. That's not the personality God's given me. It's okay. He'll teach you. It's his Holy Spirit. But we should be. When it's the things of the Lord, we shouldn't be passive. We should be those who are ready to fulfill God's calling on our lives. We shouldn't be waiting on the sidelines or sitting on the bench. Well, just call me in. Tap me when you're ready. No, we should have this desire of saying, God, I'm available. Like Jonathan, I'm available for God to use me. What do you want to do, God? As a church, we're coming into 2020. Lord, we're available to be used by you to reach this city, to reach this state, to reach this region, to reach this nation, to reach the world. What do you want to do with us? How do you want to use us? Where are you calling us to go? Who are you calling us to go after? What do you desire for us into 2020? Because, church, we want to be able to say, into faith we go when it comes to the things of the Lord. I pray that today as we head out that this would inspire you throughout the rest of the year, but also remind you that God is not finished with this church. He's not finished with you. And there are great things ahead for us in 2020. I pray that we're all on board for it. Amen. That is Pastor Ed's son, Joshua Taylor, pointing out how we can be a good and godly leader and follower here in 2020.
It's part two of our series, Into Faith We Go. And I'm pleased to say you can hear it again at our website, AboundingGraceRadio.com. Each month, we try to pick out a book that we believe can be of some help to your walk with the Lord. And this month, it's A Love Letter Life by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. Perhaps you were one of the millions that watched Jeremy and Audrey share their vows and commit their lives to one another on the show Little People, Big World. What you may not have realized is that they prepared more for their marriage than their wedding day. In this helpful book, they share their love story in all its beauty and imperfections. Their unique approach to dating empowered them to write an uncommon love story and really prepared them for married life. We'll send you a love letter life when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Share it with someone who is single and help them date intentionally, pursue creativity, and love faithfully. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And please remember, we are listener-supported. Simply put, that means we look to our listeners to help us with the cost of being on the radio. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will return and encourage us to be faithfully faithful in every moment. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.